stop. Now let's get into part two of our conversation with Mike Tedeschi. I freaking love charts for that reason, because they give me the probability. I can look at it and I can see right in front of me, okay, what is the likelihood of something happening? I can look and see, okay, when it was at this low, what had happened last time? And we already hinted at the emotion. And then we also need to talk about the patterns because humans are creatures of habit. And we do the same things over and over again. And this is what a chart is representative of is what did someone do last time? Chances are they're probably going to do it again. If a stock hit a specific price before, what happened? Did it go up? Did it go down? Did it go sideways? What did it do? And you can make that decision based off of what happened before to help you in the present now and that's why i love it and you hinted about the darvis box which ultimate it works it works consistently it does <laughs> like work you said it, it's not 100 percent. nothing is but it's probably one of the more consistent things it's how i've been able to predict new highs what those new high prices would be and people will be like wow and i'm like it's really not that hard. If you look here, it tells you that it's just, you know, this is the range. So it's likely going to repeat the range. And that's, yep, that's, <laughs> that's it. Called a, it's called a measured move. Yeah, that's it. So. And oh. the, the other value with charts, it gives you a place to manage your risk. It gives you a spot to put a stop. Yes. Right? If all you do is fundamental analysis, right? You're looking at a company going, man, this thing's cheap. Where do you put your stop? Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense to put a stop in, in in that regard because if it's cheap now, if it goes lower, then it would be cheaper. cheaper it would be right. a better buy, right? <laughs> and the weird thing with fundamental analysis is it, there's a lot of value there, but you can find those value traps where you're looking at a stock and it just, man, it's just like, why is this thing so cheap? It doesn't make sense. And it stays there for years and years and years yeah. before it matters, right? Um, combining the two together was very useful last year, okay? Money got tight. We started pulling money out of the system. Interest rates started going up. So what happened? The, the, the growth stocks, the companies that need to borrow money that have the crummier books, they're the ones that hit, got hit the worst. Right. This fundamentals started to matter. When borrowing money for nothing, you know, when interest rates were basically <laughs> zero, it didn't matter. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm acquiring more customers. It doesn't matter. I'm losing money. I can always borrow more money and, and things will be good. But as soon as that tightening started happening, the fundamentals mattered a lot more. So we actually go back and forth between growth and value. And we've done it for, you know, for many, right. many, many, many years where they will, sometimes it'll be important, sometimes it won't. So if you can combine your fundamental reading with the chart, now all of a sudden you got the best of both worlds. I haven't done too much fundamental stuff in a long time. And actually we could talk about what's happening in the market right now, because Powell just spoke and as we continue to talk around here, the market continues to <laughs> make newer lows. <laughs> it is making newer lows. This is, we're on Tuesday, yeah, March we're, 7th. We are Tuesday. And yep. we're at the same price we were in the middle of the day on yeah. Friday. And, and so we had a nice move up and we'd come back down. It's <laughs> right. like the reality is, is the market has just been trading in a sideways way. Yes, that's what I was just about to say. A long period of time, right? Yes, yeah, so it's uh, basically right, like August, time. not August, like September, we October of last year. We are at the same year. price that we were on May 9th of last year. <laughs> that is almost a year. 
we're at the exact same price. Now we've gone above and below, we've yeah. traded around that zone, but right around that 3,900 to 4,000 level on the S&P 500, we have traded above and below like five times in the last year. We're just trading in the sideways range. But why is that? Well, the economic data points are pretty solid, but we also have this inflation thing that we're dealing with. So the Fed's being tight, like there's some reasons why things could go higher because there's some good things, but then also the Fed policy is a negative and the market is trying to weigh those things and yep. nobody can really come to a good agreement of where price should be. So when we, if we are able to drive the price up to 4,200, people have smashed it back down. If price falls down to like 39, 3,800, people step right in and up. buy, right? Yep. And so we've just been chopping around. So this is the type of market that Jesse Livermore, 100 years ago, would have left New York City, headed on down south, and got on his boat and just done nothing because there isn't anything to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> he liked to jump in when the, when the money was easy, right? You know, there's that saying, oh, my, my job is just to go find money that's sitting in the corner and pick it up. You're getting in these messy ranges, it's very tough. Right. Ranging markets are the most difficult. Trending markets are the easiest. So what we should be looking for and when we should be playing more aggressive is when things are trending, either direction. Yes. Right. And when we get into these ranges, we should, it doesn't mean we need to go get on a boat or leave the market completely, but we should be trading smaller. We should be managing our risk better because now is not the time to make large bets. We don't have a clear Decision outcome at, all, at this right. point. Right. I mean, like, I wouldn't surprise me if we finish this year down 15% or up 15%. No, neither of those numbers <laughs> would surprise you. That is a huge difference between those two. Right. And so, I mean, me personally, we had all the tech stocks make just such a huge rip in the beginning of this year, right? I mean, I think it was the day Meta reported earnings and gapped up another like 15%. I looked at it and go, we've done really good here in the last month and a half. Things are way too easy. I think I'm going to take some chips off the table. Yeah. And that actually marked the top for the next three weeks, right? And we've actually fell pretty sharply from that point in time. Now we're right back in the same spot, you know, it's... We get all the way to the bottom, we'll look at putting some money to work. When we get to the top, we'll take some chips off the table. And if it's in the middle, we're not going to do anything. And, and if we break to the upside, great. We'll put some more risk on. If we break to the downside, we'll take some risk off. We know what we're doing regardless of what the outcome is. Right. And that's all because we can see what's going on right with the, there on the chart. This is the frustrating part of trading the people because everything in, in people, they want to be involved in the market, right? I was one of those people. I, I felt like I needed to be involved every single day, somewhat engaged in the market. And it wasn't until later, you know, after my poor risk management and blowing my account up three times that I realized that, wait a minute, I really need to take a different approach to this and start treating this a little bit better. So even in nowadays, when I see the range bound activity, I try to tell people, this, you don't want to get into this market. Stay out of this one. We want the confirmed break, all right? And you have already mentioned about S&P 4,200. That's the level that I keep telling people every every time. When we see a close above that, then we have a really good chance of revisiting the highs. Until then, we're going to be in this choppy zone <laughs> where everyone is just getting minced up viciously. We are getting in. minced up <laughs> if we're playing the regular names. Now, if we go to that breakout list, we can find some interesting things. Yeah. Take a look at what steel stocks have done, right? We got like STLDRS. Those things have made new highs and continue to make new highs over the last quarter. The material sector is really strong. So okay. when the market gets in the choppy zone, there's still winners, right? There's right. there's that old saying, there's a bull market somewhere, right? 
So we don't have to just stick with what we had been trading in the past. We should be paying attention to what has the opportunity to, to work moving forward. And people always, like I said before, want that comeback story. I want the stock that's down 90% to go all the way back up to the highest because <laughs> I'm going to make a lot of money. But the reality is there's a new leader, new leaders step in and emerge. And even in healthy bull markets, you get what's known as rotation. rotation yep. Something leads us higher. Profit gets taken, it gets put into something else, which leads us higher and so on and so forth. All right, so it's all about spotting that. But there's an entire industry geared towards that psychological, you gotta be involved in the markets, right? FOMO is real. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's the emotion but still. <laughs> this is the toughest thing for people to really wrap their head around when we talk about things from a psychological standpoint. We all want control and we all want an answer to why something is happening. Mm -hmm. Right. If you are looking at your Apple stock and it's gone down 5% today, right? And you go, why did that happen? And you look at the news and it goes, well, somebody in China said something, it changed something in the factory orders. And you, you're sitting there going, well, that makes sense. And I don't like that person. Then now there's, you know, somebody that you can be upset with, right? <laughs> but the reality is, is you have actually no idea why it went down, right? right? Because the market is the sum total of all market participants. We had hundreds of millions of dollars trade hands, tens of millions of participants trade hands. You're going to tell me that you know what went through the minds of 10 million months. traders. <laughs> because for, don't forget that for every buyer, there's a seller. So there are people on each side of it. Right. You can't know the reason why people are doing what they're doing. And that's very uncomfortable. The reality is, is you do not know why Apple is moving. Right. Other than there's more buyers than sellers pushing price higher. There's more selling velocity than there is buying velocity, pushing prices lower. But to try to define the exact reason why these things are happening You'll is a waste. It. You're never going to find it. Right. You're going to just confirm your own biases, whatever they are, which doesn't <laughs> help you moving forward. But I mean, a lot, you know, a lot of the financial news media is it's just entertainment. That's yep. really all it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you turn that off, and just look at the charts and listen to what the charts are telling you. When you look back at that Apple stock, you're like, oh, it's down 5% today because it was trading in a range and it, it it broke below it. It doesn't matter the, doesn't you know, matter. it doesn't matter right. trying to figure out why it happened. It says it right there on the chart. We got a sell signal and it went lower, you know, or whatever the case may be from a charting standpoint. That's all you need to know. Man. The why you'll never find and you will spend an exorbitant amount of time trying to figure it out. Listen, you you've again hammered home a point of what I tell people a lot when it comes to news and why I don't pay attention to it and why I wasn't I knew about the power stuff, but I'm not paying attention to it because I'm waiting for those confirmed breakouts to tell me what it's going to do anyway. But when it comes to news, it's going to be biased towards what you wanted to do anyway, because when you want something, if you're involved in a stock and you obviously wanted to go up, then what are you going to look for? News that is going to likely drive it to go up. So you're going to find that and you're going to automatically reject any negative news that probably you may need to interpret because it could drag the stack down, too. But you're going to ignore that because you're blinded. You wanted to go up. And that's what happens with that bias. And then with the phones that we have now, the algorithms that continue to feed you that same exact news that you want to hear anyway. So it's completely biased. It is. But the other weird thing with news is, I've always said this, if you gave me an earnings report for a company and put it directly on my desk an hour before earnings came out, 
If it's a huge beat or a huge miss, you're obviously going to be able to tell. But if it's anything within the middle where it's like maybe a little beat or a little bit, a little bit down, I couldn't tell you which direction it's going. Right? How many times have you seen an earnings report come out and you're like, dude, they they crushed it. They beat, they beat on the top and they beat on EPS and on sales. The stock's down 15%. <laughs> What's going on? What is happening? Right. Well, what is happening is the market expected something different. Mm -hmm. So the market participants saw what looked to be on the surface good news and said that wasn't good enough. And vice versa, you can get an absolutely horrendous earnings report and the stock goes up 20%. Yep. It's because everybody thought it was going to be worse than that. <laughs> but the reality is, is the news in and of itself isn't what's important. It's the reaction to the news because it is a game of a million people playing it at the same time. And what looks good in your eye might not to the majority of the market, but the chart will tell you what the market is thinking. It went up 20%. I think the market likes it. It went yeah. down 20%. <laughs> I think the market didn't like earnings. It doesn't matter that they beat their EPS. And the other thing to think about is the market is a forward discounting mechanism. An yes. earnings report is last quarter. That's what happened in the past. It doesn't matter the same way the forward guidance matters. That's changing your expectation of the future. So a company can do great last quarter. doesn't mean that they're going to do great this quarter. Right. And you get some wild reactions around earnings. The chart tells you everything, everything you ever need to know right there in front of you. This is, this is the most simple thing in the world. People like you and I, we see it. I don't need anything else. I can completely tune out the noise and look at a chart and I can tell you this, this, this about it. And all I have to do is be patient. And then I'll wait for my signal. And patience. once I have the signal. Patience and discipline. That's the key. <laughs> that's another thing that I learned later on. I learned the patience after fact, after the fact of me losing the money. But now that I have all of these tools, this is why I like to do stuff like this with the podcast and YouTube videos in order to help people get over those humps because I, I experienced them. I knew what it is and I'm doing my best to help people avoid those very same speed bumps that I ran into. My goal is to make somebody else get there way faster than I ever got there. And if I can do that three, four times, then I made a story for myself. You know, that's how I look. I, I like to feel about it. I want to be able to be able to give back as much as I possibly can. So speaking of giving back, all right, I want you to share a tip or two that you can give somebody that's looking to get involved into the market on how they can get ahead in a market faster than anybody else. So the, we kind of started with this. Journaling, I think, is the most important yes. thing that you can do, right? After having a trade plan, we'll talk about trade plan in a second. Without a journal, you don't understand what your actual numbers are. And we are terrible at remembering things correctly. There have been so many different psychological <laughs> studies that have been done. Somebody will make have a car crash into somebody else directly in front, and then they'll use them as eyewitness testimony and ask them questions. People can't tell you the color of the car, can't tell you the sex of who was driving. We just don't remember things, or we have our own bias in it. Well, it was yes. a car crash. You know, it's got to be this type of person because they're bad drivers or whatever the case may be. So you don't remember what you did six months ago. You won't. You won't be able to pull up a chart and go, well, I bought this because of this. You need to write it down. And then you need to track each of the things that you think are going to be important. If you're a day trader, you need to track the time of day. Was it open? Was it middle of the day or was it closed? The reason why that matters is the volatility at the beginning and the end of the day are, are a lot more yes. than in the middle of the day. 
There are traders that do much better in higher volatility environment. They can think on their feet real quick. They can take those quick scalps, those quick trades. There's other people that do much better letting a pattern develop slowly. There's not as much pressure. They take that middle of the day breakout and get those nice trades. But if you don't track that, you don't know what's working the best for you. You may think, oh, yeah, beginning of the day, I'm doing great. And you actually look at your numbers like, no, I was losing. Anything before 10 a.m., I have a negative expected value. Guess what? Now you don't need to go to work at 930. Yeah, now you don't need to go to work at 930. You need to show up at work at 10 o'clock. <laughs> you know, but... It, you, you have to journal. You have to have all the pieces, right? So I would have your stop, your target, the pattern, the time of day. And then I would also put an emotional piece associated with it, right? I like Apple because this, you know, I'm take, trading this stock because of this. The more information you put there, the more value you'll get from it later on. And then you got to go back every month as part of your trading journey and go through your journal and look at what you're doing well and look at what you're not doing well yes. and change your plan. Your plan is completely adaptable and changes over time, but you need a plan. All right. The plan is not going to be Bob's calling me up and telling me what stocks to buy. All right. That's not good. I'm going to get on Twitter and I'm going to look for what stocks to buy. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do. I'm going to turn on CNBC. Wow. Coinbase is moving today. Exciting. I'm going to go trade it. Probably not the best way. You probably Guilty. need to be. <laughs> you probably need to say, all right, I'm going to use a 52-week high breakout screener list. I'm going to look for stocks that are leaving out of a Darvis box or an ascending triangle pattern. I am going to risk one percent of my account per trade. I'm going to have my target uh, be the measured move for the you know the pattern. That would be a you know a decent little trade plan. And then you got to follow it. Um, the trade plan is more than just the trades you're taking too. Right, a trade plan needs to be the routine that you get into. Right, you can't just sit down and fly willy nilly at the seat of your pants. God, all right, I'm going to show up every single morning at eight thirty if you're day trading, and I'm going to look at what happened in the Asian market. And I'm going to draw the lines of support and resistance on the Asian market session because those are going to be important during the day today. So that when we're trading during the day and you're looking at a five minute chart and it's running up, you now have that ceiling level from overnight that you've drawn on your chart that you're seeing. If you don't take those lines and you don't put those bigger picture things on there, you miss them, right? right? So, you know, you've got habits there and then ongoing growth is important. I'm going to read one trading book a month. And here's the other cool thing about the time that we live in. You find a book from an author you like, go find them on Twitter and ask them a question. People will respond if you ask them a question. Everybody is within reach in this world at this point in time, which is amazing. Some of my favorite authors I have actually gotten the opportunity to have in-depth conversations with for that exact reason. I just reached out to them, right? Always be trying to learn and move yourself forward. If you have a plan and you journal it and you manage your risk well, you're better off than 95% of the people that are out there that will never do those things. Amen. And it won't take you seven years to get where you need to go. It might take you a year. Amen. Listen, I started, I told you my journey. But here, here's my tips to people, okay? First thing that you need to do is you you need to know who you are, okay? And I personally don't think anybody knows who they are until they're around 27, 30 or so, right? <laughs> I think that's fair game because you're still learning a lot about the mistakes that you made as a youngster. And there are things that are going to trigger you that you have no idea why they triggered you. And you'll start to figure it out at that point in time. So figure out who you are. You got to know that because that's going to be able to identify what type of style is going to work for you for trading. So don't be afraid to get messy and make mistakes. All right. Just don't take too big of risk. Matter of fact, you know what? Screw it. Take the big risk. You know why? Because it's going to end up making you 
the better trader in the long run. And I say that because you will eventually learn that that was too big of a risk and you'll know where you need to stop at because everybody has their own adjustable slide for where too big is too big for them. Somebody might be 10,000, somebody may be 20,000, who knows? Whatever it may be, it's gonna end up being applied to you and you only. So there's my first tip. Second tip is the first stock that you wanna get into is probably something that you already purchase. I think that's the very simplest way for anybody to get involved into the market because it's relatable. You see the product in front of you, you know it, and probably know other people who also buy it. That will in turn give you the access to learn more because once you get involved and all of a sudden you see, okay, this pen is made by so-and-so, then you start digging a little bit more into the company yourself and you do everything on your own organically. And then that will continue to build and you will build your strategy from there. So those are my two things that I think that I can share with people is don't be afraid. You're gonna make the mistakes anyway. You can learn from the mistakes from somebody else as well. You can shortcut yourself that way. So don't be afraid to get in there, get messy, and then make sure you document the things that you are messy at so you can clean up the mess. And so. if you make a mistake and you lose money on a trade, it's tuition you're paying to the market. It's, it's part of the, the game. The key, the key <laughs> is to not pay for the same lesson more than once. Right, you don't want to pay don't for take the, the same, same course over and over, over again. And over and over again. That's the, that's the key, right? Yes. <laughs> Yo, Mike, thank you, man. I really appreciate you spending time with me. And like I said, I feel like we have the same brain when it comes to this. We are able to read a chart and identify things very quickly. It took me a long time to study charts and understand them. And I got to the point now where I can look at a chart and within like 10 seconds figure out yes or no, where it's going to go and make a decision. Like, I love this stuff. I absolutely, I'm a nerd about it. I, I went after the markets closed. I love looking at the charts to figure things out on the weekends. I like looking at them. I have it on my phone regularly. <laughs> so yes, thank you for being able to spend the time with me, man. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate it. you having me. It was a wonderful conversation. You have yourself a good one. Maybe have me back sometime. Now, before you go, let everybody know where they can find you at Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Let them know your handle. Uh, you can follow me on our website at mypwp.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, and that's MikeTE90. I post all that content on StockWits Twitter and on our website as well. If you're interested in learning more about our financial planning firm, we're more than happy to sit down and have a full-on conversation with you uh, about what we do. Yes. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you, and you enjoy the rest of your day, sir. Take care. Yo, Dre, let me hold this beat for a minute, fam. Put a little finance on it. Uh. Stocks and bars. Yo, I'm cool, calm, collected. The message I preach when I teach about peace is protect. I rap about tools you can use for investing. They rap about jewels you can choose for a necklace. And that's what I used to be doing. I left it. I got my mind right and my money right, ready for war. See, it was bleak on repeat, so I stepped it up. Learn about these stocks, feel the same as how you met the plug. You would think it's cheaper than my bars, how I rep with love. Making money in these Wall Streets now, forget the drugs. Should have been learning more on my 20s. I regret the club Best time for my future Now I'm about to get them dubs Society would rather have me kept a thug The whole time they thought I slept them up I swept them up Brinks trucks in my boss Forget the truck I'm like pocket Hit them up I'm dissing any B 
big making checks off us. Stocks and bars. Stocks and bars is the only hip hop podcast out there about the stock market. Make sure you check out every single episode. Peace to Mike Tedeschi for spending time, and I'll see you next week. Peace. Stocks and bars. Stocks and bars.